there's no sex education. Not really. There's, there's no real sexual education. Yeah, they show you how to put a condom on a banana in high school, but there's nothing about how to deal with emotions, how to communicate, how to create a relationship, how to have healthy patterns and, and behavior with the lover, how to create an environment that might actually lead to a long-term relationship that can create children without passing on trauma, both sexual, emotional, or psychological. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today on the show, I am more than ecstatic to bring you a conversation I had with Kevin Oros. Kevin is a high-performance coach, workshop and retreat facilitator, podcast host, and published author. He's inspired by ancient wisdom and his mission to bring healthy mythology to the modern world. A student of men's work, Kevin is decisively creating breakthroughs for his private clients, leading international masterminds, filming inspirational content, and doing it all while traveling the world. He's known for sharing radical philosophy on his show, The Revolution Podcast, as well as being the co-founder of the lifestyle brand, Mystic Misfit. He expands on the writings from his recent book, Sex, Masculinity, and God, in his four-week Masculine Mastery course that's available now. Link is in the show notes. I strongly suggest you check it out if you find any of this resonates with you. We had a fascinating and insightful conversation around how it is time for healthy masculinity to inspire a new generation of embodied males. We dove deep into this new masculinity, the tantric practices, mastering sexual energies, sex education, the porn industry, reaching flow states, rituals, and everything in between. I really do hope that you find this conversation as insightful and groundbreaking as I did. Be sure to give Kevin a follow on Instagram. He has great content at Kev underscore O-R-O-S-Z-L-A-N, link in show notes. Without further ado, let's dig into it. Hope you enjoy. Kevin, welcome to the show, my friend. How you doing? Beautiful. Great to be here, brother. Thanks so much for inviting me. Absolutely. It's uh, It's been too long. I saw you pop up on my IG feed not too long ago. And uh, as I'm on this mission of finding the others, I was like, ooh, Kevin is certainly one of the others who I know is doing amazing work, inspiring and awakening others in his world as well. So this seems like a perfect person to, uh, to have on, have a combo with. Nice. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited. I love the title of your show as well. Find the others. I think, I mean, the, the, who I heard it from was Timothy Leary. You know, in That's the 60s, right. But uh, it's beautiful. That, yeah, that quote, that quote shook me when I, uh, when I read that quote, maybe five years ago, trust your instincts, do the unexpected, find the others. And the full quote is just amazing. I was just talking today, but you know, Einstein's, you know, once said that there's two, two ways to live life. One is though nothing's a miracle. The other is though everything is. And I feel like there's two, it just really kind of sums up two different types of people. The ones who see the miracles, the ones who see the opportunities who are, who are daring to live deeply. And and those are the others. Cause you know, once you build that community, it, it just, everything changes from that point. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Uh, well you're out in Bali as we speak, right? As you said, riding out Armageddon out there, how's it going over there? I mean, I'm just incredibly blessed to be here, man. It's like, I wasn't planning on staying here this long, but obviously Corona happened. So, um, yeah, I mean, an island with a beautiful culture connected to nature, connected to prayer and like an actual lifestyle that, I mean, it's, it's as close to the Garden of Eden as it gets. And it's also supportive to being a, an expat or a digital nomad running an online business. I mean, it's, it's about as good. It's, yeah, I'm just insanely grateful is actually the bottom line. 
that's very, very cool. You can feel that. You can feel when someone's genuinely operating from that place of gratitude and it's uh, it's contagious and inspiring. So I love that. Um, brother, tell me about, uh, you've got this course coming up here. I saw you launch, you have a book out as well. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I basically am launching the official second course of my online school, the School of Mastery. So the second course is Masculine Mastery. It's four archetypes for men, intro to men's work. That comes out next week. Um, piggybacking on my first course, which is Flow State Mastery. It's all about high-performance habits, morning routines. And yeah, the book, Sex, Masculinity, God, um, the trilogues, 10 chapters on the biggest taboos for men. Um, me and my two co-authors, it's like conversational style. You know, we could go from everywhere like Jordan Peterson to Heigl to Nietzsche to Jung to Freud and just unpack, you know, death, love, marriage, polyamory, sex, philosophy, religion. I mean, it's it's a it's a deep one. Yeah, big time. I'm, I'm so curious. And I know this is going to be a loaded question, but what got you into this field and what drew you into this field of this school of mastery and, and exploring these concepts like masculinity. Yeah. I mean, they really found me as, as the best things in life do. I mean, I didn't, I didn't set out to, to, to go into this work for sure. I mean, long story short, the microdose version is, you know, I, I wanted to be a lawyer and then I wanted to be a politician. Like, like in my like fantasy high school, you know, I was like political science and like, you know, law. And I was like, all right. Cause I knew I was good at language. And then that quickly popped when I started to like take the red pill and wake up and be like, whoa. And then I took psychology and philosophy for the first time. And I started reading about Taoism and like Patanjali's yoga sutras. And at the same time, started reading Freud and Jung. And I was like, oh, shit. And I switched my major to that. And then I thought I was going to do PhD psychology. So that exposed me to a lot around evolutionary psychology, mating. I started to really study sexuality because I was raised, I was raised Catholic. So I, I, I completely swallowed the the dogma of like celibacy and like abstinence and like i was so like afraid of hell basically and you know around like age 20 21 i, I started to pop out of that finding plant medicine started to like practice yoga found martial arts and i was like okay my body is not bad and then this mm. just like started this cascade um to the present day which of course on that journey i discovered tantra um practicing Qigong when I moved to California and, and started to really deviate and yeah, started to go to Burning Man, expose myself to festival culture, expose myself to all these different lifestyles, um, both psychedelic and sexual that were, were like shattering to my worldview. And so mm -hmm. to make sense of that, I realized I had to like, I had to cut my own, you know, cut my own teeth as a man because relating with women, I still was encountering all these shadows, all these wounds, all these triggers. And like, I, I didn't, I didn't understand how to create a healthy relationship. And so in that journey, you know, I, I discovered, um, well, I've traveled the world. I traveled to Asia, studied yoga, um, found multiple mentors. And that's when kind of men's work really found me. And it was actually with Elliot Hulse was the first one who really like going to his seminars and his intensives but kind of before the, the current Elliot Hulse does not characterize that one at all. This is when he was like hardcore into bioenergetics and Osho meditations. And yeah, kind of the rest is history. I, I just was passed from one epic mentor to the next, both men and women. And that's how like Tantra and mas masculine initiation work, men's work really became part of my, my life. Fascinating. I love that. I, I love the idea that it found you like the, like the powerful yeah. things in life really, really do. And the callings, it's a calling that you're answering. It's a, it's a pulling forward, right? It's not pushing. It's you're, you're pulling, you're getting pulled forward to it. Um, masculinity in today's day and age, there's a lot of different things going thrown around toxic masculinity. Where, where do you see, how do you see masculinity in today's world and in the world of tomorrow? What what role does masculinity play and why why do you enjoy focusing on it this way? I mean, Esther Perel, who I'll just borrow a, a perspective from, because she's brilliant. I think she's one of the like best people to read if you want to understand modern mating and, and masculinity and femininity. Esther Perel's an amazing like 
counselor mm-hmm. and therapist and author. And she basically pointed out, you know, the 20th century is when feminism woke up and like all this stuff around like, okay, women need to vote, women need all these rights, women need to like empower, like let's, let's grow. And it's happening and it's still happening. It's amazing. But she's like, the 21st century will be that for men. Because this idea that like, oh, well, the patriarchy, all these old white men are in charge, like men need to tone it down a bit. It's like, you're talking about a very small percentage and a projection in people's mind. The day-to-day man, at least, you know, in our country, America, and most of the West and most of the East too. I mean, it's different in Asian culture, but, you know, living in Asia and and spending all the time here now, it's the same thing. It's just different flavors. Mm. The average man does not feel like he's powerful and living his best life and and has healthy aggression and assertion, has healthy sexual prowess, financial. I mean, a lot of men do, but a lot of men don't. So when we have this stuff like toxic masculinity, shaming masculinity, um, saying that, you know, men need to be canceled or men are bad and all this Me Too culture that's gone too far because some of it was extremely necessary. Most at the beginning, it was necessary. Like, yeah, there's a lot of wounds. We need to bring this stuff onto the consciousness scale and onto the table so we can we can move this stuff and heal the division between men and women and have healthy families. Why are there so many single mothers? Why are men more likely to die of addiction or violent crime? You know, there, there's a lot of mental health issues that our civilization is not facing. And the African proverb, which we're seeing now, is that if the boy in the tribe doesn't receive love, if he is just abandoned and shamed, he will leave the village, he will become a monstrosity, so a psychopath, a sociopath, whatever you want to call it, and then he'll return and burn down the village just to feel its warmth. And this is, this is what's happening to young men when they're completely disconnected from their bodies. They either go into collapse and, you know, pornography, video games, addiction, um, you know, virtual reality, they, they, they collapse from reality or they become hyper aggressive and they become, you know, womanizers, manipulators, gaslighters, narcissists. You know, there's, those are the extremes that we see men playing out that get called toxic masculinity. Um, when the mm-hmm. truth is that most men, most places want to feel power and have it tempered by love and protection and providence for their family, their village, their partner, period. Interesting. Where do you feel like most men sit on that spectrum? Somewhere on the fringes? Yeah, there's somewhere in between. I think I think most men I work with, I mean, I work with both. I work with like high performing like men in business that are like very like aggressive um but they're they're just now understanding how to flow emotion and how to create balance in their life yeah so i i I can help them do that some of the men i work with are very much trapped in a job they don't like in a relationship they don't like and they don't feel powerful and they don't feel like they can actually actualize their desire so they need to actually power up a bit and create boundaries and become assertive so you know everybody's somewhere in the middle the core thing is is that when men give away their power to culture or ideology So that's the real danger is like, as a man, oh, well, it's not right. Or like my my girlfriend and her friends say that this is a toxic masculine trait. So I'm going to suppress. I'm not going to speak up. I'm going to, I'm going to hold my desire. I'm going to avoid, you know, that's, that's one of the, the major threats I see to masculinity today. Interesting. And I'm sure there's, there's a big, cause there's a big fear of saying the wrong thing or getting canceled right. in a way, right? What, what do you think the right. first, is there a common first kind of step or initiation level to help people really step into that power? Is it a realization? Is it a mental shift? Like what's that first kind of prescriptive step for somebody like that? I mean, the ideal step that would have been in all of our ancestors' cultures and tribes is a rite of passage. So a lot of men just miss this because our culture doesn't have one, which is why the culture is is in a, is in a shift and there's a lot of death culture that goes around like you know getting drunk at a party and losing your virginity or like playing sports or you know buying a lamborghini and you know these are not initiations these are Mm. steps in life even getting married is not an initiation you need to be with other men and you need to face the most avoided parts of yourself and there's a lot of ways to do this i mean you can do a vision quest you can do a water fast in the wilderness you can do isolation you can do plant medicine you can do men's work shadow work with other men um, which is a lot of intense 
you know, basically somatic psychotherapy, breath work. I mean, there's, there's a lot of pathways to it, but a lot of men have never had that situation. Um, it is a mental shift though of, I have value and meaning and I want to give my gifts to the world. Mm. A lot of men just don't feel like they are, they're powerful and that they're valuable. A lot of, like we focus on, and, and this is not men versus women. This is just bringing the conversation of men's health and wholeness along with the, the conversation of, of female health and wholeness. I, I'm for both and I work with both, but mm. the, the men's side, we need some organization. We need some, we need to normalize and make it healthy to speak into men's health and men's work. And the media, this is the most dangerous thing. The media is exactly the opposite. There's, there's almost zero talk about the importance of men's work. There's zero talk around the statistics of male suicide and male imprisonment and male crime. All of the rhetoric is around, you know, hate speech and cancel culture and Me Too and all this stuff. And I think that's by design. There's, there's, you know, I don't want to go too deep into this, but there's, there's forces that want to make men weak. Let's mm. just leave it at that. Interesting. If you could, if you could speak, if you could put a billboard up that all men on the planet could see, or, you know, get on a loudspeaker and have every man hear this message, do you have like a distilled piece of or nugget that you would offer to, to men? I mean, the, the basic one that would hit mainstream culture would be like normalize men's mental health. Mm, like just interesting. Yeah. Normal, normalize male healing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fascinating. And what role, I, I feel like some of the men's work that I've done and some of the, the vision quests or medicine circles or fast or breath work intentionally, specifically with men, there's a whole different element to it when it, when you really get the community together, what role does having the community, does that tribe of other men play in that development and evolution? I mean, it's essential. It's, it's crucial. There's some things that a man can only experience or say around other men. And there's also a level of like iron sharpens iron. This is why we, you know, sports is a form of male camaraderie that used to be war and hunting. You know, we need, we need other men around us to actually make us stronger, call out our blind spots and share ideas, share perspectives, share feelings that we have other places in our life, our partnerships, our job, our, our, our other friendships that don't have a place. So we have to have other men hold us in that. And we also hold them in that as well. And, you know, this isn't just going to the bar with the boys. And this isn't just, you know, a bunch of men just hanging out. This is very intentional. And this is where the men's circle and brotherhood is, is a big missing piece. And for a lot of men, just adding that to their life will solve a lot of these issues for them automatically. Right. right. And that, that's what I've experienced. I mean, some of the, the closest bonds that I have, and I feel very grateful that there's there's so many men and, and true brothers that I call brother in my life and like and, and really mean it and and trust them with my life in their hands as they do as, as they do with me. And those relationships, those the, the most profound and the most depths of those relationships come from like there's been a shared suffering with us at some point. Like we've 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 gone into proverbial battle together, whether that's something physically through competing, through training for something together, through being there through that hard time. And I, and I found that 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 really that element really brings people together. And it sounds like that's integral through any of the men's circle, any of the men's worth is like attacking that shared challenge. Right. hundred percent. It's interesting. Uh, it's t tell me about tantric and tantra and tantric yoga. Well, tell me, give me the skinny on that. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the core of the word tantra, which I like to start with is, you know, the, the root in Sanskrit is, is tantra. So tra is the same root as like transport transcendence, you know, um, transversal like Transform, these words of, right. of tran transformation right so tantra is just the techniques of of transformation so sexuality is just one part of it the west has kind of taken that and made that 
synonymous with Tantra, but you know, the, the original Tantric yogis and the original people who wrote these texts, or really it was a series of techniques. Um, they, they're the ones that kind of brought yoga and some of these traditions to ancient India. So they, they you know, Hatha yoga and Tantra are like born into the same stream and Hatha yoga was like one of the first um, methodologies of, of these yogic practices which obviously involve body postures, asana, but it's, it's, it's mainly a, a way to live. So how you eat, how you cleanse, how you breathe, how you move, how you, how you praise God or think about reality, how you, it's like philosophy and a somatic practice and a metaphysics altogether. So Tantra in that way is, is one of the most beautiful and resonant suites of those beliefs and practices because it doesn't deny reality so tantra is a little more unique than some of these others where you know reality is separate or the, the earth is bad or desire is bad the animal body is bad or if not bad at least imperfect so the idea is like let's just go up and out or let's 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 put all of our energy into just like being you know outside of our body going up and tantra is like we go in we go mm -hmm. in and we come out into life. So it's through the senses. It includes sexuality, includes desire. It includes, you know, good food and dance and celebration. And there's, and there's many different types, but this is one of the features, you know, that really attracted me to it. And so, yeah, what most people will benefit from with Tantra is just really how to bring devotion and bring like, ecstatic experience somatic experience into the way they eat the way they pray the way they breathe the way they dance making music um, the way they make love and this is where it gets a lot of the attention and um i mean that, that's that's what initially drew me in of course as a man was right okay like i, I want to be a better lover i want to be better in bed like every man i think shares that um so there's there's a lot tantra has a lot to say about that which is amazing everybody knows about the kama sutra which which really isn't even a tantric text it's just that's a text given to householders to learn how to be a good husband you know it's like and then you can get deeper into um all these other kind of more esoteric tantric ideas and yeah it's it's a way that it's a way of life that really clicked for me more so than mm -hmm. any other. Cause I was so, I was studying yoga and I, I traveled to India and I was just like really absorbing this stuff. It was so natural to me. It really clicked with me, but Tantra really is the one that I've kept with me and, and continued to practice and had amazing mentors who, um, yeah, kind of opened that gate with the key of, of experience. Tantra is all about experience. So you can read about it, you can research it, but it's an experience to be had. Actually, Interesting. I really like that. That's it's interesting because that's something that drew me. I'm Jewish and it's something that drew me closer towards Judaism, the older that I got, which was understanding this idea of like, it's not about kind of escaping this world or this reality. It's about bringing the divinity into the mundane. It's bringing the the light into the darkness. It's bringing that presence and your your sense of awareness and this higher self into the day to day, whether you're washing the dishes, doing it with intention, you're dancing, like you said. So that that resonates with me as well, which I really like this idea of like grounding it down into practical experience, which it sounds like that's a bit of the, the philosophy around Tantra as well. 100 percent. It's being in the world. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. And from from the from from a sexuality standpoint, like you know, I, I, I I'm curious to know because maybe you have a better understanding of this as we look at the context of history, right? Because I you know you know Playboy, I, I just think of like Hugh Hefner and Playboy as like introducing this idea of sexuality into the mainstream and how that's evolved and how you know it's continuously evolved today with social media and Instagram and, and, and pornography. Like, I'd be curious if you have any more context to offer in terms of like the evolution of that and where we're at today and where you think it's going and just our relationship with that. If that makes sense, I can clarify. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it, it's first, the first thing to notice is how absurd that it is that sexuality is even an issue right. when it is the very thing that creates humans. And it's the very thing that we all share as human beings where, you know, we all have sex. I mean, I guess some people choose not to, but, you know, for the most part, we all have sex. We all came from sex. 
And that's just a fact of biology. And you don't see any animal anywhere hiding it. Having shame, or trying associating to, shame with it. Or right? trying, exactly, exactly. And this, this, unfortunately, you know, in the West is right there in Genesis in the Bible and, and the Christian influence that's expanded since Rome, you know, for the last 2000 years, right there in the Bible, you know, Adam and Eve naked in the garden. I mean, you can only imagine how erotic that must have been. They're just like the first humans <laughs> just fucking naked in this garden, <laughs> you know, in paradise. That's cool. Right there. It's like <laughs> they, they eat the fruit. Cover yourself. They felt the shame before God's eyes. And then there's there's mm. something in that. You know, that's like yeah. If you want to talk about books and like dogma and ideology as code, it's programming culture, which programs human reality. That's a bad line of code to put at the very beginning of a source program, aka Christian civilization, which, you know, whether you're Christian or not, it's influenced almost everything in the West. Yeah. So that's something to note that I I, I think is really and I lived through that experience of living into that shame. So I know how it feels and how maladaptive it is. But yeah, I mean, what's great about what happened in like the fifties and sixties and when Playboy became to, you know, prominence and, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll and the cultural revolution with psychedelics and with music and with the counterculture and hippie culture being like, yo, free love. And like, our bodies are beautiful and we should be able to do whatever we want. And it's like, right. this is actually all, all this old shame and taboo and like we don't talk about it and we don't think about it and it's sinful it's all bullshit and so that's just exploded now and now porn is everywhere on the internet and you know even instagram like you know the booty pics get get the get a lot of attention and there's all this energy around sexuality different styles of relating you know all these non-monogamous styles that have blown up in popularity all the all the different you know, BDSM, the sex toy industry. I mean, we're looking at a, a revolution that's continuing, but the, the core issue is still not addressed, which is, and this is something me and my co-authors talk a lot about in the book. Um, and we've talked about sense and a lot of the, the media we've created is like, there's no sex education. Not right. really. There's, there's no real sexual education. Yeah, they show you how to put a condom on a banana in high school, but there's nothing about how to deal with emotions, how to communicate, how to create a relationship, how to have healthy patterns and, and behavior with, with a lover, how to create a, an environment that might actually lead to a long-term relationship that can create children without passing on trauma, both sexual, emotional, or psychological. So our, our, our civilization, and, and again, you got to wonder why this is. Like Certainly with all the research and all the, the studies and, and health and mental health, emotional health and sexual health, obviously these people are like, wow, we should, we could nip this in the bud if we just talked to the youth and, and made sexuality a healthy, open thing, but it's not. And so part of me is like, this is by design. This is by design. Civilization in the forms of governments and religions have always sought to control sexuality because it's a core way to control the masses. Mm -hmm. Now, how much of this is conscious, how much of this is unconscious, it's hard to say. I'm not saying there's like people in dark rooms wanting to control your sexuality, although I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them because they understand if you're sexually repressed and I, I wrote a, a post about this recently, sexually repressed people are easy to control. Hmm. Sexually expressed and Osho pointed this out. I'm heavily influenced by Osho and study Tantra and, and his, his work in philosophy. Um, he pointed out quite clearly sexually expressed healthy people you can't control them because they, they, they are at the core happy and, and they're flowing their life force energy it's not even about having a lot of sex or good sex it's just they're not repressing anything so they don't they don't need to sacrifice or compromise decisions in their life or money or friends or jobs or you know their time yeah and so this is this is a key thing to realize is that the more sexually repressed we are, the less freedom we actually have. Hmm. Interesting. The more we're going to be manipulated, the more ability we have to, to go seek towards certain ideologies. How does that, how does that play effect? Both. Yeah. Both. And, and because like, and this, this goes into a somatic level. If you're not sexually expressed, and you can do this by yourself. Like you don't need a partner. You can, you can do this by yourself, but, 
the the energy in the body, the emotional, sexual, creative energy, if it gets trapped, if it gets shamed or denied, or it's not allowed to flow, what happens? You start, you're not at ease. You form dis-ease. And that might be mental. So yeah, ideology that's more radical and like promises pleasure in another way, you can transfer it into this. And yeah, there's all kinds of traps you can fall into when you're not self-sourced. It makes sense with all the, you know, all the science that that's being done and coming out around how emotions are stored in the body and how they affect the, the, the stuck emotion and stuck energy gets stuck in the body and how that leads towards disease, how it leads towards injury. Like, the, I mean, the science that's coming out around this is just mind blowing to me, which intuitively I feel like we, we know and understand, but now it's almost like science is catching up with it, which is very cool. But it, it's almost like we forget that so the sexual emotion and sexual energy is a major part of that. It's a life giving the life force part of that. And when you're, when you're holding that down or you're ashamed of that or not in a good relationship with that, uh, you can only think about the, you know, the, the detrimental effects of what that actually might cause in the body. 100%. It's very interesting. So uh, what, what's your, like when people are like the addicted to porn, what, what are your thoughts on that? The porn addiction. I've had a lot of clients recently that have brought that up, which I find very interesting. Like it, at the same time, multiple people bring that up. And I, I can only imagine right now in the state of the world and quarantine, like I don't even know how much the porn industry is probably booming. But what about that? Do you feel is I'd just love to get your thoughts on that. Well, fun fact, I actually looked this up recently. Um, the porn industry is more profitable than the entire gaming industry and Hollywood. It's wow. like 60 billion worldwide or something crazy. Yeah. So the hierarchy is like porn has the most profit, then gaming, which is wild that gaming is higher than Hollywood. So, wow. That and just crazy. to pause there, that's that's uh, mind blowing. To that's nobody's talking about that, or people are talking about it, but not mainstream, right? That is right. wild right. to think about. So that 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 says a right. lot. I feel like, what does that tell you about about hu humanity and this the species of where we're at right now? Well, on one part, it's 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 beautiful, and I can see the the bright side and the optimistic yeah. side, where you know technology and virtuality, like even what we're doing, and, and the virtuality of the internet is really powerful because it's allowing human imagination and expression to just go to its limits and there's something healthy about it um I, i'm also biased you know i've i used to use porn a lot and like was in that loop i also used to be like a semi-pro gamer like, and like i used to be hardcore into gaming so I, I understand why people do it um it does provide something that yeah it's just it's expression and obviously we all love good movies, you know, like it's like right. something about film. That's amazing. I've always loved film, even as a child. But that being said, like, yeah, the shadow side is huge. And especially during quarantine in the world. And, and it's like, at worst, it's escapism and addiction. So it's like, I can't deal with this reality. So I'll go to that reality and then relax or turn on or turn off or, you know, I'll just move my energy that way. And then the problem is, you know, with dopamine and how we understand, you know, the nucleus accumbens in the brain and how addictive it can be when we get these short bursts of instant gratification, whether it's, you know, pleasuring yourself to porn, whether it's playing these games that are designed to hook you into these cycles, or whether it's, you know, Netflix binging, you know, those cycles, especially in the male brain, because the male brain that we've evolved to be hyper, you know, attention focused whether it's for hunting or for problem solving or for war or for you know running a, a village leading you know there's all these beautiful parts of the male brain specifically that lead itself to addiction we don't have ways to express in, in a healthy way whether that's with a real woman in a real relationship where there's real connection and intimacy or if it's physicality so if we don't have a training or method to move our bioenergy with our breath, with our voice, with our, with our muscles, like we need to move that energy. And so a lot of men right now in the world, and this is the travesty of what's happening in the world right now. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely criminal that we know what helps immunity. We know how to, how humans like need each other, nature, movement, good food, you know, sunlight, and all those things are illegal right now in a way, which is just, 
has nothing to do with health. Anyone who's, you know, I'll speak freely here. If anyone who still thinks that the lockdowns have to do with this disease, like you got to really take a step back and, and, and take a breath, do your research. But my suspicion is that it has nothing to do with the disease. I mean, yes, quarantine, good. Let's do it. And come on, let's actually prioritize health. And so for a lot of the men that are in porn addiction specifically, um, a lot of it's tied to ejaculation. So if you can master ejaculation, it's easy to master porn. And in fact, porn doesn't even need to be something bad. I mean, first off, like understand sex trafficking and the sex industry is full of criminal, heinous, horrible, like sex slavery is real. And people need to understand that if you're supporting some of these sites, you know, they're, they're just, they're not ethical at all. In fact, they're the exact opposite. So if you're going to consume porn, like find ethical porn, find, find stuff that actually <laughs> like there's life in it. It's not this fake organic awful, free range like, porn. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. You know, real couples that are actually in love. Like you can feel it instantly. You can, you'll know instantly. And then just don't ejaculate, learn how to circulate your energy, microcosmic orbit, Dallas Tantra, read some Montauk Chia, start with a multi-orgasmic man. That's a great way, place to start for men. That's where I started. Um, this is where that tantric practice of like withholding your seed and like learning semen retention and understanding how to flow your sexual energy, which obviously you want to do with a partner anyway, like pornography, like, will prevent you from getting to that level of mastery because it'll hook you into these loops. So yeah, I, I think it's important for men to take responsibility for their sexual energy and learn how to work with it. Just like you would learn how to work with any other type of energy in your life, like money or your focus or your time or your Working body. out, like right? Exactly. <laughs> we do, we do PE in school. We, you know, we learn all these other things, but yeah. What about sexual energy? <laughs> that's a sex yeah. edge. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah, that's that's very interesting. What's the um, I think I remember in is it Way of the Superior Man? Um, I, I think I remember in either that book or another book to, uh, learning about the concept of semen retention or what what else did you say? What can you talk a little bit more about that practice? You said multi or uh, the multi orgasmic man is a good place to start. Yeah, multi orgasmic man is by Montag Chia, who's like a mm -hmm. Taoist master that is a Qigong master. Um, this is another author too. It's Western. Forget his name though. But yeah, this this it's called the microcosmic orbit in the Taoist tantric style, and it's like basically circulating your sexual energy up the spine, through the body, through the entire body, and like harnessing the energy. So that energy you feel like you know as a man you're about to ejaculate, you stop, and there's all kinds of physical techniques, breath techniques, and they're all in that book, you know, and and many other places. Basically, you want to be able to separate the feeling of orgasm from ejaculation, which you can. Like men can have multiple orgasms. They're called mm -hmm. neos, non-ejaculatory orgasm. You can experience these these neos, you know, really powerfully. Now you have to slow down. You can't mimic porn. You can't rush. You have to be connected to your breath. You have to be connected to your emotion. You have to be connected to your body on a sensory sensation level. And there's all these things you can use to practice that. But basically the challenge is, you know, it takes 21 days. This is what I do with clients a lot. It takes 21 days to rewire a neural pathway. So can you stop watching porn? Well, first for most men, it'll just be, can you stop ejaculating to porn? You might still watch it, but for 21 days, which by the way, instantly your testosterone goes up, your dopamine resets, you feel more focused, you feel more vital. Like women will notice it immediately. Your pheromones change. There's all this science on this stuff. And there's a huge community on Reddit called NoFap that has like become somewhat popular for doing this. Um, and there's a bunch of online support groups and, and physical support groups, obviously, that, that do this. And if you can stop ejaculating to porn for 21 days, you have a real chance to change it. And then I would say, you know, are you in a relationship? Are you dating? If no, stop watching porn for 21 days and the same thing that draws you to pornography, like obviously like you can experience that in real life in a good way. Like obviously with consent, intention, communication, right. you know, boundaries, like use all of your, your, your heart as well. Don't just, don't just live in your head or your head. 
like use your heart, connect yourself to intimacy, and then like take it into the real world. And if you have anxiety or you have all these things, like, well, now you'll understand why you're using porn. I mean, it's really a personal development journey into mastery of your sexuality and then making yourself a better man and a better lover, which is actually what, what all men want. Right. Fascinating. Uh, it's, it's, it's just so interesting to me. It's like, you know, I, I, I got really good education, right? I went to private high school, went to a good four-year university, and, and this is nowhere in the curriculum. This is nowhere in the, you know, in the, in the realm of understanding. So I, I, you know, I just, I see the, I see the tremendous need for opening up this conversation and, and just really do love what you're doing by bringing a, a microphone to this and, and a, and a spotlight to this, because I can, can only imagine how much, you know, at, at the root of a lot of the problems that we see in the world is this repressed sexuality is this not knowing how to you know master the own body in in just all of those ways totally it's a missing piece for sure it's a missing piece for sure yeah and what about the uh you know you work with a lot of high performers so the what what's your what's your take on the flow state on getting people into the flow state does that tie into this is that separate what's your how do you get into the flow state if we start there yeah, I mean, it's 100% tied into all the stuff we're talking about. I mean, Tantra, sex, pleasure is a peak flow state if you learn how to channel it. Um, I mean, for me, it was like living and working in the nutrition industry and also as a personal trainer and yoga and yoga teacher in, in L.A. I was just exposed to all this stuff. And this is really when my like entrepreneur journey was just starting to blossom about six, seven years ago. And um what I realized is that, yeah, morning routines and, and having a strong practice, it doesn't have to be in the morning. Morning's usually the best. Um, it can be in the afternoon. It can be an evening routine. But having a way to, like, prime yourself for, for success, and especially if, yeah, if you want to perform well, whether that's in business, whether that's in leadership, whether that's in a relationship, uh, whether that's physically you're an athlete. You want to you want to have ways to get into the flow state and the flow state is the place of maximum impact and maximum focus and minimal effort and minimal anxiety so you're, you're in this zone right we call it the zone or like you know I, I was in god mode i was in this this state of full engagement with what i'm doing full mastery and skill with what i'm doing and also surrender so i'm i'm letting life live me you know the the, the the song is dancing me you know life is breathing me it's a surrender and a focus it's this it's basically the middle line in the yin yang it's like riding that razor's edge and yeah so studying this like like from all the work of mikhail chumstikai um the hungarian mm -hmm. psychologist used to coins flow and like you know really studied flow stay which then um Kotler and forgetting the other author's name, Rise of Superman, um, Stealing Fire. Mm -hmm. These books on the flow state heavily influenced me. And so, yeah, I created an online course with the top six techniques that I, I used and, and was like so into for years. And then I created a course to give to clients just to be like, hey, like, here's the here's the rule book. And it's, you know, the top six practices, which some have multiple practices within them, but it's meditation, breath work self-programming which is like self-hypnosis through um, nlp affirmations visualization tantra just dancing moving sex pleasure um, reading and writing so those kind of six practices mix and match in your own custom way with a time limit that you need in a ritual is going to prime you for flow mm. and so that's what i've realized you know is kind of a first step like no matter who i work with whether they're like having relationship issues or they're having business issues or money issues or they're just having lifestyle issues so they're having they're in overwhelm or they're feeling disempowered the first step is almost always like what are your rituals what's your practice right do you have a practice do you have something you go to that powers you up and, and inspires you and keeps you healthy and in flow and if the answer is no then you got to do that first you're not going to have the energy to change any of these other things mm-hmm Totally. I like the word you use there, ritual as well. I was just, I literally just talking about this the other day about how I feel like I've really, my morning routine has really stopped being a routine. It started becoming a ritual. It's like, it's the sacred space that 
I look forward to so much and I enjoy that like every day. I'm excited going to sleep knowing that in the morning, uh, this is what I get to do and plug into and get my energy from. And I just have that space that just charges me up. And once that happens, like the days are just they just flow downstream from that point. And then also having like a little ritual before sleep, unplugging from the day and having the ritual then as well. It's just, it's amazing what that's done for me. And, and cause I, I felt for a while, there was kind of almost this dogma around like your morning routine. And it's like, gotta get up on the first alarm. And, and these are the things that you got to do like, boom, boom, boom. There was almost like a dogma around that as well. And then as I've just evolved and, and taken different, learn different tools, take, learn different practices, created something really as my own is that this, this ritual and, and uh, what do you think the difference between routine and ritual are? I mean, a routine is just a ritual without heart. Ooh, that's good. It's as simple as that. (laughs) That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one lands. I like that. So what are, what, what's a, what's, what are some of the rituals that you have in place in your life? I mean, they, they, they fluctuate. I really, I'm in full surrender to like what my body wants, you know, and the body and, and like the brain, it's like, you can co-create with them. They're these beautiful organs of sense and, and I'm not them. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm just following what you know, I used to be really strict, same thing every day, like one hour, like those practices I was talking about. And sometimes I still need that, but it's pretty rare. Like the way I've set up my life here in Uluwatu and the way I've set up my business, you know, I'm, I'm in flow almost all the time, to be honest, to the point where like the rituals can be like five minutes. Like I don't need to like push to get into flow. It's just like I'm there. Um, but the one I'm really into now is tea. So hmm. like tea ceremony which is combining a lot of these kind of together is meditation, it's breath, you know, it's, it's intention and, and just drinking tea and, and making tea in a, in, a, in a way where like I sit down and in it, whether I'm listening to music or sometimes I'll listen to a lecture. Like I, I get into flow really easily with knowledge. So I love to learn and I love to teach. So both of those just instantly put me in a flow state. Um, that's the big ritual I've been doing lately. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than direct sunlight and movement for me, whether it's dancing, whether it's, you know, kettlebells, whether it's functional strength. I love being outdoors, bare feet on the grass, in the sun, moving. And I usually combine that with a playlist that I'm like curating at the same time. So I love to make playlists and, you know, I just combine those together. And that, that, that to me is the ultimate. That's my happy place. So cool. It's a, it's an expression of, of uh, many different angles or many different virtues in, in that moment. I, I love the tea. I'm going to try the tea out. I like that idea of just being really present with that. I always, I love tea time with others as a ritual as well, but I like that idea of like sitting and, and really just focusing your presence on making the tea. I love the audiobooks in the morning as well. Is that just kind of the, the daydreaming? Like that one is just big, just like looking out the window, the sun rising and just having that time to just kind of just be there is a, is a, is a really powerful ridge line, like you said. Very cool. And uh, I'm just curious to hear, where do you think the evolution of our human species is going? Like, where do you see this, you know, this as we awaken into this and we empower the masculine, where do you see our human species evolving? Yeah, I mean, the goal here with evolution in my mind and and I don't know how it's going to look exactly, but I have an idea of what the, the transition is going to have to include. And that is, you know, true sovereignty as a species, the evolution of consciousness to become a symbiotic partner, steward with this earth and with each other, not parasitic, not predatory, not destructive, which is how our civilization like, is, is rolling right now. Um, so this looks like energy sovereignty, you know, Tesla figured it out 150, 200 years ago. We don't need fossil fuels. We don't need to, we don't need to do combustion and toxify the planet to create energy. Mm -hmm. That's all been suppressed. Um, Mm -hmm. we need clean water. We need clean food. We need clean soil. Okay. So the fact that the pristine water sources on this planet are being toxified or poisoned, 
or being kept from people like corporations buying water rights. You know, China and in the US and many other countries have bought more water rights the last 20 years than in the last hundred. And so they're understanding that like clean water is the new gold. So we need like that. It's absurd that water is privatized and that we don't have clean water everywhere. When again, there's technologies to help us purify and distribute water, but those are suppressed. Um, we're going to have to have Detroit, a financial revolution. In, in USA, right? Detroit. Right. I remember seeing that not too long ago, like crazy. But yeah, so financial revolution. Yeah, totally. We need a financial revolution. I love cryptocurrency. I love Bitcoin. I'm heavily in support of that. It's not a solution, but it's a bridge. Decentralized finance and currency, um, transparency, you know, all the things we need in finance. You know, what Reddit and Wall Street bets just exposed with the GameStop stock is that yeah, when the criminals get caught rigging the game, they rig the game more. So mm. this this is not this is not healthy for finance, and this is not healthy for a global monetary system that's based on debt. You know, and do your research. The Federal Reserve system, you know, fractionary reserve banking, debt debt banking. This is a, this is a losing game. Hyperinflation is coming to the U.S. Um, I don't know when, but. Just get ready. The financial system's not set up right now in a good way. So we're gonna have to level that up. That's part of evolution of consciousness. Um, and these are the, these are like the effects. These are symptoms of a consciousness that's evolved to see itself, like me, I, my ego, and each other, other humans, as, wow, we are on a beautiful planet with enough resources to feed, clothe, and house mm. every single one of us and support every single being. So I'm talking about bacteria, you know, I'm talking about amoebas all the way up to, you know, the great apes, the great cats, elephants, like all these beautiful creatures here. We can live in harmony easily, easily. The problem is there is a parasitic class of humans that are psychopathic and fueled by greed. And like, you know, you can just see that as an objective fact, like, if you really believe, you know, you don't have to go into conspiracy theories. Just look at where power is consolidated. Look at where money is. This is all public knowledge. You know, follow the money. The money is how we keep score. It's not all about money. Like land, water, real soil and food are better assets than money. You can't eat money. You can't build a house out of money. But follow money because money is the energetic flow and currency that life is moving through. Money is neutral. But for some reason, people who don't have the earth's best interests have most of it. So something interesting is happening there. Um, evolution of consciousness in the golden age and what's happening right now with the age of Aquarius, you know, which has been in a lot of prophecies and has a lot of different names, the Hopi and, and Messian the messianic area. Yeah, the messianic age, it's the age of the sixth sun. If you go into the Mayan and that kind of stratum. Um, yeah, the, the eagle and condor prophecy. There's all these indigenous cultures that look at this time as when the, the planet will undergo a massive shift and there's a mass dying. So a lot of the old has to die. And I don't know if that means a ton of humans have to die. I hope not, but like ideologies, ways of thinking, ways of being will die. And then the new will rise, the children coming, you know, the next seven generations of children ideally will be born into families with, well, we've all done this work. And this is where men's work comes in strong male leadership. who've done this work and living in, in harmony as warriors for earth, for Gaia and for the feminine and for other men, not, you know, hurting one another, not traumatizing one another. Those children will be born without those imprints. And so when they grow up, they're gonna, they're gonna be a completely different species. And they're gonna be our teachers if we're still alive at that point, which hopefully, you know, I'm living to 150, it's my goal. I like that, I'm, I'm with you on that for sure, yeah. That's and that's that gives me a lot of hope as well, because the, the way that I, I firmly believe that as well, I see that happening and that allows me to see like, yeah, 2020 ha hit. Right. And everybody was like, OK, new decade is going to be great. And then it's like all of this shit just started happening. But the way that I see it, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as well. It's like it's it's like things coming up to the surface for us to deal with. It's like we're seeing things in clarity. We're seeing these things. The finance, we're seeing the the pitfalls of the political system, the financial system. Like we're seeing all of this. It's coming up to the surface and allowing us the opportunity to now be like, hold up, this is the way we've been doing it for so long. Is this the way we want to continue doing it? 
this is not sustainable. We cannot continue to do this. So we've got to make the shift. And I, I like to believe that there's enough people that are re realizing this and waking up to this and are wanting to be a part of this shift, are wanting to be a part of the light and of this total shift, this planetary shift, that we're going to we're going to win this thing. We're going to do this. Yeah, I mean, we've already won. Yeah, it's something to realize is we've already won, because if you're if you're waking up right now and seeing the earth in a new way, seeing your life, your family, your relations in a new way, you've already won because you're on the mm. side of nature. Like Love evolution that. and nature are alive. You know, the planet's alive. It's not it's not just an idea. Like we're part of a, a biosphere and she's she's making moves. She's making moves energetically. The frequency of the earth, the Schumann resonance, something to research, you know, even the sun, the kind of radiation coming out of the sun right now, like where we are in space, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you like what all that means, but it's happening. What does it mean? How does it affect us? I guarantee you it affects us. Now, nature is, is moving in a, in a way that like a healthy body would. We're all cells on this planet. A healthy body, yeah, has to remove toxins. It has to remove cancerous cells. It has to regenerate its body and organs and systems. You know, the Amazon is the lungs. Right. The ice caps are the circulatory system where all this fresh water is, and it's all under the earth and through the earth. And the nervous system, you know, is the mycelium and the root networks of plants. And we have a simulacrum of that in the internet. You know, we're all connected. So. If you're on the side of life itself and nature, just like in the movie Avatar, you can't lose. Now, nice. that being said, there's a lot of shit that's going to happen and it's going to get worse. Like I'm under no illusion that we're going to like some politician, Biden or the prime minister of whatever is going to magically be like, all right, guys, here's here's the new plan. And suddenly it's like, wow, like free energy, clean soil. Like, you yeah. know, it's not going to happen. Don't expect it to happen from the media circus that's being piped to you. A lot of those folks actually are terrified of what's happening because their old way of rigging the casino, especially in the financial markets, is under attack. And so mm -hmm. they're going to dig in and try to fight every inch. But the good news is that you don't have to worry about that. Focus on yourself and your village, your tribe. Give your gifts. Train. Inform yourself. Make sure that you unplug often from the circus and the, the media frenzy and manipulation, go into nature, go with your loved ones, do your rituals, and we're going to ride this thing out. Mm. Yes, we are. My man, thank you so much. This has been, this has been awesome, really insightful. And I, um, and I, I trust that the listeners have been taking away some good little nuggets from this one. And I, I certainly have. So I, uh, I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, is there, is there anything in, in closing that you'd like to share with any of the listeners? Yeah, just grateful for you, brother. Thanks for having me. I mean, that last riff was kind of the, the case in point, I guess the, the last thing I would say, and this is, this is, uh, well, I, I read it in Terrence McKenna who read it in Weipo Yang, which is a, a scholar and, and Chinese commentator on the I Ching, the book of changes, which is a fascinating book if anyone out there is into that. Um, basically, he says, after studying the I Ching, which is like a divination text, it's like, a, it's like mystical poetry and it's also about divination, about how nature changes. And he said that like, if you think you know what's going on to a level where you have anxiety about it, like you have anxiety, like it's actually silly and you're betting against yourself. You don't know enough about what's happening hmm. to have anxiety on a meta scale. So a lot of the people out there, I'm sure someone right now needs to hear this. Like your goal right now, even in the world going crazy. Yeah, it's, it's real. It's happening. And obviously if you're in direct physical danger, get to safety. But most people aren't because of the media, their mental, emotional body is acting like they're in fight or flight. You have to lower your anxiety and there's all kinds of practices. I've mentioned many of them to do this, lower your anxiety enough and flip it, transmute it into excitement and creativity. Mm. sing dance pray make love work out drink tea hike do something to move that energy so you can participate in the world we need everybody we need all hands on deck right now <laughs> 
packed, all hands on deck. Oh man, I feel really, really great, grateful for your contribution and uh, the role you're playing in this shift and the the hands on deck that you are galvanizing through this process. Keep up the amazing work. I look forward to supporting you in these endeavors and uh, just riding this thing together and enjoying the, the journey and dancing along the way. Thanks so much, brother. It's an honor. Pleasure, bro. Talk soon.